Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Luke chapter 9 this morning as we continue in our study, Encountering Christ. And if you've been with us in our series, uh, then you will remember with me that the book of Luke is written uh, by Luke. It's his account of the life of Jesus, and we will talk more about that uh, in just a minute. Let me ask you a question. It's fall. How many of you love fall season? Raise your hand. All right, I'm going to pray more for you. Um, No, I'm teasing. Man, there's a lot of reasons to love fall in our growth group this week on Wednesday night. Of course, we have growth groups that meet uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And so in our group on Thursday night, we asked the question as kind of a little icebreaker, what's your favorite thing about the fall? And maybe you have a favorite thing about the fall. Maybe it's sweaters. Maybe it's uh, pumpkin spice. All right, I just was waiting for somebody to like go hysterical. Uh, Maybe it's the fall flavors. I don't know what it is that you like about fall, but I can guarantee you there is one thing about fall that you probably have hated at some point in your life. Every student in here does not like the fall. When you were a student, you did not like the fall unless you were one of those students that actually enjoyed school. Man, fall season is when school starts. And I remember, and I, I even, even this week, I heard my own kids, they've been in school now about a month, and uh, Micah this week, it was like Thursday night, and he's like, Dad, can I just homeschool again? And then, no, you can't do that. He goes, all right, well, can I at least just skip school tomorrow? Man, on the inside, I'm like, yes. Like, I would want to skip school, man. You don't, don't like school very much. Maybe you were a good student, bad student, but we've all been probably at the time in the fall season when we didn't care too much for school. One of the things that you probably hated in school is a test or a pop quiz. You ever have your teacher get up and they say, all right, take out a sheet of paper, you know, put your name in the top right-hand corner, put the date, and you're thinking, man, I am not ready for this. You have a pop quiz or a test coming up that you know of. Um, You know what I thought's funny is all the creative ways that people tried to cheat on tests or quizzes that they knew were coming. Like I can remember, and maybe you have some stories too. I remember in high school, there was one kid uh, that he didn't want to study. Instead, he wrote all of the answers to the questions that he thought were going to be asked. He wrote them on the bottom of his shoe. That way, while he was taking the test, he could pick his shoe up and look and write it and do that. I remember another student uh, taking the click pins and the ones that have the tops that pop off real good. They would take and write the answers real small on real small pieces of paper and roll it up and stick it down in there. That way, while you're taking the test, you can have the time to take your pen apart and look at the answer and roll roll your scroll back up and shove it back in. I'm like, where'd you get the time to do this during class? Probably one of the most epic that I've heard, and it happened in our school when I was a teen. I think I was a junior or senior in high school, and someone got, I I believe they got suspended for this one. Uh, They took fishing line, tied fishing line to 
this hand and this hand and put the fishing line through their clothes. And on this arm, they taped to the fishing line the answers on a little note card so that when they moved their hand like that, the fishing line would pull that card up. And with this hand, if they moved this hand and went backward, it would take the fishing line back. And so that little slide card, that's super creative. They got caught, as you probably would have too. And I thought, if you have that much time to invest in like cheating, just study, man. Like it's probably, you're probably better off. Man, you have a, have a test. I remember I was never, I was never much of a cheater because I was like, I know I'm going to get caught. So what's the point? I just didn't study and failed and then got to take it again. Um, I'm, I'm teasing. I didn't do that. I remember one of the times though, it wasn't at school. It was actually at church. And uh, it's probably the, the closest I came to trying to cheat on something. I was supposed to sing a special for a Christmas presentation that we had. And I was supposed to memorize the words. They gave you like three months, memorize the words. Well, I didn't memorize the words. Instead, I taped them to my wrist so that as I sang, see, I was thinking I was gonna hold my mic with this hand and be able to read it. They made me hold the mic with my left hand. And so I don't know if my mom's sitting over here, if she remembers it, but I'm singing, I was in fifth grade. And as I was singing, I was doing this. turning the microphone, trying to sing my special and remember the words. Afterwards, people were like, hey, Dennis, that was real smooth, you know? We barely noticed that you had the words. It was literally the words from, you guys remember cassette tapes, how the words would come in it? I took that and I wrapped it around my wrist and taped it. That's how bad bad I was at trying to cheat the system, you know? Man, when you have a test or when you have something coming up, a quiz of some sort, Man, why, why do people cheat? Well, they want to get it right. They want to get the right answer. As we come back into our study in the book of Luke and chapter 9, remember Luke is writing his gospel account of who Jesus is, and he's writing to a man by the name of Theophilus. Theophilus was a ruler, and Luke was writing with the intention of proving who Jesus was. So he wrote about the deity of Jesus Christ. He wrote about uh, the miracles that Jesus did. He wrote about the words that Jesus spoke. And lately, if you've been with us in our study, Luke has been writing about the fact that Jesus worked miracles in the lives of seemingly insignificant people. Like that's how important people were to Jesus is that he didn't come just to, some people think, to save the rich or to save the the righteous. No, Jesus came for the most insignificant people. And aren't you thankful that God still wants to work miracles in the life of insignificant people? Man, I'm thankful for that. Why? Because I is one. I'm an insignificant person. I'm not anybody important. I don't have anything special. But you know what God says? Hey, Dennis, I want to work in your life. And so Luke is writing to Theophilus and he's writing, hey, Jesus even took time for the seemingly insignificant people. And as we come to our passage today, what we're going to discover, the title of the message is Pop Quiz. Because what we're going to see today is Jesus giving to the apostles a pop quiz. He's going to present to them a test, if you will. Now, this test isn't extensive. It doesn't have true or false. It doesn't have a bunch of circle the answers. 
This test is simply two thoughts, two questions that he gives to the apostles. And it's these two questions that we're going to look at this morning. If you've been in our study, then we left off last week in verse 17. Now, here's what we need to know, uh, those of you that might consider yourself a Bible student. Luke 9.17 and Luke 9.18, there's about a one-month break in between those two verses. Luke actually doesn't cover some things that Matthew covers and that even Mark covers. And if you want to find out what they cover, you can go read about it in Matthew chapter 14, 15, and 16. That little time period, about a a three-week month period, falls in between verse 17 and verse 18. But here's what we're going to find. Jesus, on this day, traveling with the apostles, he comes to the area of Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi, I need to tell you a little bit about it today. Caesarea Philippi was, was one of these places that sat at the northern end of the, of the Hebrew kingdom, of the Hebrew area. Of course, Rome is over everything, but Jews would be traveling and Caesarea Philippi would be kind of the furthest north that they would go unless they were of the tribe of Dan, then that tribe would go a little bit further north. But on this day at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus is going to ask a question to his disciples. Now that question's important and where Jesus asks it is important. If you did some studying, you would find that Caesarea Philippi was known as a place of multiple gods. Multiple gods would be there. It would be accepted as was Roman culture. It was kind of looked upon in a good way if you had many gods. That was kind of everywhere. But in Caesarea Philippi, they worshiped the God of Pan. But next to the temple for the God of Pan, right next to the temple of the God of Pan, they have a a cliff. It's still there. You can go there. I took this picture. You can go there to, to this day. And if you look on the left side, you can kind of see this big spot that's cut out. That is where an idol would have been uh, for the God of Pan. But I want you to notice above it and to the right of it, do you see all those little spots that are kind of carved out little platforms? Do you see all those? Those areas are where anybody's idols could go. It was kind of the idol mountain, if you will. What does this represent? Well, it just represents the many false gods that the Greeks and the Romans worshiped and were accepted. So I want you, if you can, to picture with me just some idols sitting there Jesus and his apostles, if, there was, if I could show you, this would be a building that would come out and there would be a street running right, right in front of it. Maybe Jesus and his apostles are walking down this street and Jesus asks them a question. I want you to see the question with me this morning. In Luke chapter nine, verse number 18, down through verse number 26, here's what we read. We read that it came to pass as he was alone praying. So Jesus is off within eyeshot of the apostles, they can see him. He's alone praying and they join back together. His disciples came back with him. And he asked them saying, whom say the people that I am? And they answered 
They answering said, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah or Elias. Others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. And he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. And Jesus straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and raised the third day. And he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the son of man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his father's and of the holy angels. Today, we're going to watch and listen as Jesus comes to the apostles. He presents to them one question and one thought. We're going to take that and look at two questions today. Two questions, one of them every single person must answer. And today, there's no cheating, there's no cliff notes, there's no movie so you could watch and not have to read. Today, it's a test, a pop quiz that I think, I think after we go through this, you'll find we already have the answers for it. That's what we're gonna talk about this morning. So let's pray and then we'll get into the word of God today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take just a minute and would you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you today? Commit to the Lord that if he speaks to you, that you're gonna hear him and listen to him today. And then why don't you just ask God, God, give me the courage to respond to you today as you speak into my life. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your love and your care for us. Thank you, God, for allowing us to come and to uh, just learn from you. And Father, we pray this morning as we get into your word that you would help us, that you'd speak to us, that you would use the passage before us today to challenge us. I love you, Lord. Thank you for your love. Use me this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we come to this passage and Jesus asking this question, it's significant because the, the first question that Jesus asks, and it's just two thoughts today, two questions. The first one is this, uh, who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you believe Jesus is? That's the first question that he asks the apostles. If you look back into verse 18 and verse number 19, as they were together, they come back together. Jesus asks the question. He asked it in two ways. The first way he asks is kind of, hey guys, what's everybody saying about me? Hey, what's the, what's the talk of the town about who I am? Who do people say that I am? Now, real quick, Jesus wasn't asking this because he was just interested in the local town gossip. 
Jesus wasn't um, some, uh, some arrogant, prideful person like, hey, what are people saying about me? Jesus is asking this so that he can get to the second part of the question before the apostles this morning. But the question that he asks to them, who do people say that I am? Well, there was a lot of common thought during that time as to who Jesus was. If you were here last week, we actually saw it. Because even Herod, the Tetrarch, the ruling governor of the area, he, he had an assumption as to who Jesus was. And so Peter, Peter's the uh, spokesman, if you will, for the apostles. Maybe he's the one that answers up or the rest of them jump in. We don't know who talks, but it says that they answered him. They said, well, there are some who say that, that you're John the Baptist reincarnate. Right, John the Baptist has been put to death by now. And so maybe John the Baptist came back to life. Others are saying that you're Elijah or perhaps one of the prophets that has come back to life. Now, why would people say that? Why, why would that be the street rumor going on about Jesus? Well, the, the reason is because people knew there was something different about Jesus People knew, even the Pharisees said, we know that God has given you this power. And so they're trying to come up with some way to explain Jesus away. He has to be a prophet reincarnate. This can't be the son of God. This can't be the Messiah. And yet that's the answer on the street. Hey, he's gotta be, he's gotta be someone from God, but no, he's not the Messiah. So Jesus hears that answer. He turns the question then to them personally. And in verse 20, he says, okay, but who do you say I am? He personalizes it. Hey, I understand what everybody else is saying. Now, men, I want to ask you, what do you say? This question is, probably the most important question in human history. Who do you believe Jesus is? It is with that question or with this question that Jesus confronts his apostles with the most critical issue for any person. What do you say about Jesus? Who do you believe that he is? You see, it's this question that getting it right is critical because getting it right determines where you spend eternity. It is this question, getting it right is critical because getting it right determines if you have a relationship with God or if you don't have a relationship with God. It is really, as one man said it, the question of all questions. And this is the one question you don't want to get wrong. So he asks them, what do you say? And here's where Peter steps up as the spokesman. Peter says, you're the Christ of God. Well, what does that phrase mean, the Christ of God? It is the Messiah sent from God. Matthew also records the story for us. He actually records the, these words, Simon Peter answering and said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the one that is sent from God to man. And Jesus says back to them, he says, Simon, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. What's he say to, to Peter? Hey, Peter, you nailed it. A plus. Peter, you passed. You got the answer right. 
I don't know if Peter got excited like I did when I got an A that one time. (laughs) Now, you know what, Peter, he hears that. No doubt is there thinking, man, all right, good, we got this. And then Jesus continues the conversation, which we'll look at in just a minute. But before we look at that, I just wanna ask you, what is your answer to this question? Like, who do you believe Jesus is? It's interesting that this is the question that philosophers and teachers and scholars, people debate about this question all the time. There have been books that have been written, all wondering, what do you believe about Jesus. And you'd think about this, that if you have a question that is so important that your eternal destiny is, is at stake, you would think that it would be a, a question that would be super complex, super confusing. You'd think that it would be a question that would be really difficult to answer. But the fact of the matter is this, the question, who do you believe Jesus is, once you see the proof, it is a very easy question to answer. Once you see the proof, once you see the evidence, it is hard to reject the truth of who Jesus is. You see, here's what we know from the word of God. We know that Jesus is the Messiah, the promised one sent from God. He came and he lived a perfect life as God's son. He died upon the cross. He was buried and three days later, he rose again to prove to you and I that he could be trusted. His works prove who he was. His word proves who he was. The way he lived proves who he was. But then ultimately his death, burial, and resurrection completely sealed the deal as to who he was. And for a person to say, well, I don't believe that is a person to say, well, I reject what God says. You see, because the only way to really get this question wrong is to reject Jesus as the Messiah, to reject his word. But my friend, that is exactly why Jesus came to this earth is so that you would have an opportunity not to reject it, but to receive it. And Jesus is, as Peter said it, the Christ of God, the Messiah sent from God. Well, how do we know it? Well, we have his word to show that to us. 100% his word backs up who he is. You know what? Not only do we have his word, we have the evidence of history. If you were to go and do a bunch of research, you would find uh, people like Josephus, Jewish historian that writes about Jesus and writes about the time of Christ. And in one of his statements, Josephus said he was called a man if you want to call him that because he was the Messiah. Another Roman historian, Cornelius Tacitus, or some say Tacitus, uh, Cornelius Tacitus, he uh, writes about the life of Jesus Christ and the miracles of Jesus Christ during that Roman time. If you were to go, you would find many more people. You would find Jesus written about in the Jewish Talmud. You would find, uh, of course, Tacitus that writes about him. You would find Jesus in other history from a Greek author named uh, Phlegion who wrote this, and I pronounce that, mispronounce his name, but there are so much, there is so much in history that proves who Jesus was. But you see, we don't need all of that. Why? Because of what God said. You see, God said that Jesus 
was sent from him. God said that Jesus was him in the flesh dying for our sin. And God actually said it this way in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. It says that this is the record. This is what's recorded for us, that God has given unto us eternal life and that this life is in his son. He that has the son has life. He that does not have the son does not have life. So if I had this card right here and this is eternal life in, the, in Jesus, the Bible says if I have Jesus, I have eternal life. But if I don't have Jesus, then I don't have eternal life. You see, this, that's God's record. Eternal life is in Jesus. That's what God said. So who do you say God is? Well, he is God's son sent from God to be the savior of the world. So how do I confess that to the Lord? Well, it says in Romans 10, verse nine and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Because with the heart, man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You see, what a person believes about Jesus determines if they receive Christ into their life and have forgiveness and salvation, a a relationship with God, or if they don't. So here's what I would ask you this morning. Who do you believe Jesus is? If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and your trust in him, I want to tell you today that Jesus came to this earth and he died for your sin and for my sin and he died in your place. You see, payment had to be made for sin because we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. And because of that, Jesus came and paid the price. He is the one who died for your sin and my sin. He is the one who died in our place. And he is the one who we can trust for forgiveness and a relationship with God. The word of God actually says it this way, that no man comes to the Father except by the Son. Who do you believe Jesus is? Well, if you believe that he's the Messiah, then do you have that time in your life when you have put your faith and your trust in him? You see, it's one thing to believe, it's another to receive. There's a lot of people who believe, they know that Jesus was the Messiah, I mean, people knew there that Jesus was different and yet they were trying to make up some excuses to excuse away what he had done. Hey, listen, there's a difference between believing and receiving. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, that decision, that, that, uh, that question, who do you believe Jesus is, man, the answer needs to be, I believe he's the son of God and I receive him into my life. I put my faith and my trust in him. Well, on this day, the disciples, they got that answer right. And then Jesus says something peculiar to them. In verse 21, in verse 21, Jesus straightly charged them, quickly challenged them. Hey, don't tell anybody yet. Now that, that doesn't make sense. I mean, Jesus, if you're the Messiah, don't you want everybody to know? And Jesus tells them why he doesn't want them to tell him yet. It's in verse 22. Because he says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Hey guys, we can't go around telling everybody yet because I still have to die and be risen again. Remember with me, the the Jews, they were looking for a Messiah, but they weren't looking for a Messiah who would die for them and raise again. They were looking for a Messiah who would conquer Rome and free them. 
And so here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, I'm not bringing, I'm not bringing freedom from Rome right now. I'm bringing freedom from your sin right now. I have to go to the cross. I have to be slain and then risen again the third day. And then you go and tell people this. But then Jesus asks them or gives them our second question. First question, who do you believe Jesus is? Second question today is this, what do you believe Jesus is worth? What do you believe Jesus is worth? Go to verse number 23, here's what Jesus said. He said unto them, if any man will come after me, that means to follow or to pursue or become a follower of, a disciple of. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What is Jesus saying to them? And stay with me and we'll go through this quickly. Here's what Jesus, first question, who do you believe I am? Well, we believe you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Second question, what do you believe I'm worth? What's he, what's he saying with this statement? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. What's he saying? Well, the thought is this, that there is a difference between salvation and discipleship. That's what I'm gonna talk about for just the next few minutes. There's a difference between salvation and discipleship. Listen, salvation is that moment in your life when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus alone. That's your salvation moment. Maybe it happened for some of you. It happened when you were a little kid, maybe in Sunday school, or maybe there was somebody that knocked your door and told you about Jesus, or maybe you were at a youth camp, or you were at a school function, or maybe you had a coworker that told you about the Lord, or it was in a church service. That moment of salvation, when you put your faith and your trust in him, you were saying, Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah. I trust you. That's that moment. Hey, can I tell you, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, that can never be taken away from you. Man, you can never lose that. You can't walk in and out of salvation. No, listen, once you trust Jesus Christ as savior, you are saved forever. That's the salvation moment. But discipleship is the journey of following Jesus in this life. And here's what Jesus said to the apostles. Hey, you guys got the salvation part down, but if you're gonna follow me, it's gonna take some things. If you're going to be a disciple of mine, if you're going to pursue me, it's gonna take some things. Now, why would Jesus say this? I think Jesus said it because he knew what was coming and he knew what like our days would be like. What do you mean, Pastor. I know a lot of people, and you do too. I know a lot of people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I know a lot of people who would say, I'm a Christian. I've, I've received him into my life. I know a lot of people like that. There's, there's, in our world right now, there are millions of people that believe that Jesus is the son of God and they've received him in their life. But there's a difference between when you've received him and listen, if you are daily following him. You see, salvation, as one man said it, salvation is the miracle of a moment. Discipleship or followership is the journey of a lifetime. So here's what Jesus asks them. 
If you're gonna come after me, hey guys, if you're gonna follow me, it's gonna require a few things. Well, what's it gonna require, Jesus? Look at what he says. If he's gonna come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. What does that phrase mean? To forget oneself, to give up your plans. Deny what you want. And then he says, and let him take up his cross daily. Now we talk about the cross and you say, Jesus, why, why would you say that? In our day and age, we, we read this and we think about, you know, a little cross, maybe a little chain that you would have or your little cross bumper sticker. When Jesus was saying this, this was a big statement. Here's what the cross represented then. The cross represented execution. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, get yourself a nifty little cross tattoo on your arm. Take up your cross. He's not saying, hey, wear the little logo. He's not saying, put a bumper sticker. No, it would be the equivalent of, well, in, in, our, in, in the U.S. right now, there are some places where uh, you can still, uh, you know, if you, you kill somebody, there is still the death penalty. And there are some places, and, and uh, you know of them, that it's death penalty by the uh, electrocution. And they'd put somebody, execute somebody by putting them in an electric chair and electrocuting them. All right, now we're, we're not gonna get into a debate right now about the pros and cons of all that. We're not gonna talk about that. I just wanna bring up an illustration. Would you go around with a chain and a little electrocution chair on the end of that chain? Are you gonna get a bumper sticker with just an electrocution chair, an electric chair? Are you gonna do, get a bumper sticker with that? Are you gonna get a big tattoo that says electrocute? You know, or I don't know, little sparks coming off of it. You see, here's what we've, listen, here's what we've done in our culture. We have minimalized what the cross is. Here's what Jesus is saying. You see, to take up your cross daily is Jesus saying, all right, guys, hey, if you're gonna follow me, you need to deny yourself, but I'm actually gonna take it a step further. If you're gonna follow me, you need to die to yourself. Take up your cross daily. Wait, execute yourself daily. Now, he's not talking about some crazy religious thing. Like there's, there's people out there that do this, that they, they literally try to crucify themselves on the name of religion. This is not what Jesus is saying. He's helping them understand, hey, if you are going to pursue me, it is going to cost you something. If you're going to follow me, it is going to cost you something. What's it gonna cost me? Well, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to die to yourself and then you can follow me. And then Jesus said in verse 24 through 26, he says those words, for whosoever will save his life will lose it. Well, what does that mean? Hey, if you use your life for your plans, at the end of the day, it's gonna be wasted. But whoever will lose his life, surrender his life for my sake to me, the same shall save it. Well, what is he saying? Every day we have a choice. I'm gonna live for me and throw my life away. I'm gonna live for him and watch him bless. If you were to go to the question, I would just simply ask you this question today. In your life, is Jesus worth following? What does this mean, Pastor? That salvation moment 
Yes, it seals your eternity and gives you a relationship with God, but that salvation moment should also impact Sunday and Monday and Tuesday because I decide, hey, God, I'm not just a believer in you. I'm a follower of you. That means, God, I want your input in my marriage. God, I want your input in how I raise these kids. God, I want your direction in my job. God, I want your direction in my words. God, I want your thoughts in my mind. God, I wanna use my money the way you want me to use it. What is it? Hey, that's me denying myself and dying to what Dennis Fountain wants. You see, because tomorrow on Monday morning when I wake up, I'm going to choose who is going to be the Lord of my life that day. And when I wake up tomorrow, if I'm going to, if Dennis is going to be Lord of my life, then here's what he said, here's what God says. If Dennis is gonna be Lord of his life, you're throwing your day away. You're you're just throwing it away. But if I wake up and I say, God, today is your day. God, I not only believe in you, I have that time back in June of 2004 when I trusted you as Savior or three or whatever year it was. God, back when I did that, that's my salvation moment. But God, today in October of 2023, I choose to follow you today. You see, what our culture is made up of is a lot of people that believe, but very few who follow. Because when we follow, we understand that Jesus is going to impact every single area of our life. When you go to scripture, you will find that the Bible states who Jesus is. That's a very clear answer. But every day you must answer, what is Jesus worth? Is he worth you following him today? Hey, is he worth you giving up your plans and saying, God, I want your your mind today? Two questions. Who do you believe Jesus is? What do you believe Jesus is worth? I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. And I just wanna ask you some questions with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I want to ask you some personal questions. The first question I ask today is that question, who do you believe Jesus is? Who do you believe Jesus is? Let me ask it this way. Has there been a time in your life when you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus alone? Now, no one's looking around. I just wanna ask you that question for you to think about. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior? Have you put your faith and your trust in him? 